following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right, I, I, read, a, I read about a teacher and a writer who's has become nationally known by collecting what he calls anguished English. I like to start with something kind of funny. He collects unintentionally funny headlines and signs. Perhaps you've seen some of his work, uh, such as something like this. Home, $199,500, great location, two-thirds of an acre with four bedrooms, two-bath brick, built the way they used to build. Then it says, won't last. That's funny. This, this second one's got me. For sale, bulldog, will eat anything, loves children, anguished English. And my favorite is this, extremely independent male, 17 years old, needs room to rent. Call his mother at this number. <laughs> I love those kind of things. I just thought I'd share them with you. If you're not laughing in your home, that's all right. I'll laugh for you. But the book says, Psalm says in 11 and 3, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? In the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 1, the Bible said when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire and set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That is in your Bible. Today we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. We do. Pentecost simply means 50. 50 days. 50. Pentecost marks the birth of the church. This is the church's birthday. Pentecost is not a denomination, but it's an experience. And anybody, anywhere that has faith in God can experience it. It's one of the supernatural events of the Bible. So what is Pentecost? Pentecost is a festival the Jews were called to celebrate. It was one of the three of the seven feasts that were compulsory to attend. The other two was Passover and the Feast of Tabernacle. Passover was the application, the applying of the blood to a person's life and home. And Feast of Tabernacle was eight days of praise and worship to the Lord God for His greatness during the year. And then there was Pentecost in the middle where God visited and started everything. Part of the Old Testament Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Weeks celebrated the first harvest. Pentecost celebrates the first harvest. Hence, Pentecost is God's first touch his first power infusion since his departure. He told them, go tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And they went and they tarried. It marked the birth of his church. He said, upon this rock, I will build it and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The foundation that his church stands on is the day of Pentecost. Hear me, believers... Not the lost, but believers, people who believed in him. 500 were commissioned when he went away. 120 showed up and gathered in Jerusalem. They met for prayer. They came to tarry. He said, go tarry. Wait for the promised Holy Spirit to arrive. 
They had no clue what was about to happen. It had never happened before. Just tarry for 10 days. Just tarry. You know, I'm thinking about that. Try that sometime with your kinfolk. Oh, you already have in this pandemic. We've been here for like 40 days, 50 days now. This pandemic had just kind of hung around 60 days. Or your church members, try to just tarry with them for that long. But there was no fussing in the upper room. There was no disunity. You know why? They were waiting on a promise, a promise, waiting on something to happen that God had promised. And when God promises, His promises are always yes and amen. Something bigger than they had ever had personally was about to happen. And then four words are in the Bible, and suddenly there came, suddenly there came. Indicate something out of the ordinary, a surprise. First, they heard a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. It represented power. When you hear a tornado, when you hear a hurricane, you understand its power in that wind. Jesus told a man in John 3, the wind blows where it will, and no one knows where it comes from or where it goes. And so is everyone that's born of the Spirit. So 120 waited on what they discovered was a wind, and they waited on the Spirit, and a mighty wind it was, and it blew so hard that the world has never been the same since. Because God established something powerful that day in Jerusalem. Secondly, tongues of fire, like tongues like as a fire set up on each of them. These are literally similes and metaphors that are used. A rushing wind, tongues of fire, describing what the people were hearing and perhaps seeing. Remember this. Don't forget this. Understand this. The sound in the upper room that day came from heaven. The rushing wind came from heaven, not hell. The Holy Spirit is not hell-bent and hell-driven. It is a gift and a power from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And everyone there received the Holy Spirit. Everyone, everyone received it. 120 showed up and 120 were filled. God got the whole class Later, 3,000 more were added to the church, and a few days later, 5,000. So within probably a week, there was a, a congregation of 8,120 at least. Pentecost is the church's birthday. What a day of celebration it should be. You know, I think it should be the third greatest celebratory spiritual day of our whole year, or oh, the birth of Jesus you can't, you can't deny that. It's got, to, it's, got to be, it's got to be number one or number two. And then Calvary, the cross. Jesus had to be born, and then he came to die, be a ransom for us and to save us. And then he was buried and rose again. And then the third, the third greatest spiritual holiday of the whole year has to be the church's birthday, Pentecost Sunday. Large crowds gathered. 17 nationalities were there because it was, it was feast. It was a feast time. Pentecost was a feast. And they said in verse 12 of Acts 2, what means this? What's going on? See, sometimes when spiritual things happen, unspiritual people are confused. Romans says it this way, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed it can be. It's hard for a carnal mind to understand the beauty that happened 
in that place called the upper room on the day of Pentecost, the birthday of the church. I read about a wealthy old baron who once commissioned Picasso, the master painter, to paint a portrait of his wife. And when the work was completed, the baron was shocked to see the image that had been created. He said, Sir, that looks nothing like my wife. You should have painted her the way she really is. To which the master said, Picasso said, that's the way I saw her. Here's the point. The man was so wrapped up in his view of his wife, his view, his very unprofessional view of his wife, that he could not understand that an artist could see her in a different light. And on the day of Pentecost, those that received the Holy Spirit understood what was happening, for they saw God's view of the world through the eye of the Spirit for the first time. Hallelujah. Pentecost is the Jewish tradition commemorated the giving of the law at Sinai. Fifty days after Passover in Egypt, Moses received the law on top of Sinai. But at Pentecost, God was releasing a law of spirit life. Fifty days after Jesus' passing and death, replacing the old covenant of the law of sin and death. What I'm trying to tell you is that Ezekiel said it. He's going to take out the heart of stone and going to place a heart of flesh inside of us. In other words, the law is going to go away and a spirit life is going to come. And on the day of Pentecost, the law said goodbye and spirit said hello. And we understood that we don't have to be subject to things that the Old Testament people were subject to because we had entered a brand new dimension of a word called grace and a word called mercy. And the Holy Spirit was doing a work in this world. And can I tell you, He's still doing a work in this world. He's still doing great things in our lives. And He's still visiting churches. And He's still visiting people that want Him in their lives. I read a story, the Associated Press produced a story from Kentucky about a man named Leslie Puckett. After struggling to start his car one day, he lifted the hood and discovered that someone had stolen the motor. Yeah, <laughs> Holy Spirit, folks. The Holy Spirit is the engine that runs the church. It's the engine that runs the church. H.G. Wells in his book, Mind at the End of Its Tether, said, man is played out. And some of us understand that with all that's going on in this pandemic and, and all the things that's happened racially in America. God save America. Let the Holy Spirit fall on America. Send the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit come. The world is jaded and devoid of recuperative power. We need something. We need something to come. We need a wind from elsewhere. We need a Pentecost. We need a power. We need a glory to come and visit us. Zechariah said it so well. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The Spirit of God is what we need. Come on, Holy Ghost. Come and do your work in this world, in this hour. In 1926, there was a, there was a large famine going on, a great time of, of hard times. It was known as the Great Depression. And there was a man in West Texas around Odessa in what they call the Permian Basin who was a rancher and a farmer. And he had a lot of land, but he had a lot of debt. And he wasn't able to make enough 
on his ranching operation to pay the principal and the interest on his mortgage. And he was in danger of losing his ranch. And with little money for clothes or food, his family, like many others, had to live on government subsidy. And day after day, as he grazed his sheep over those rolling West Texas hills, he was greatly troubled about how he would pay his bills. Then it happened. There came a day, a day, there came a day when a seismographic crew from an oil company came into the area and told him there might be oil on his land. And they asked permission to drill a wildcat well just to see, and he signed a lease contract. Ladies and gentlemen, at 1,115 feet, they struck a huge oil reserve, a huge one. The first well came in at 80,000 barrels a day. There's 42 gallons, according to my wonderful friend Larry, who told me there's 42 gallons in a barrel of oil, which means there was 3,360,000 gallons of oil in that first day. And many subsequent wells were more than twice as large as that first wildcat well. In fact, 30 years after the discovery in the 50s and 60s, a government test on one of the wells showed it still had the potential of 125,000 barrels of oil a day, one well. That's 5.25 million gallons. And ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ira Yates owned it all. He owned it all. The day he purchased the land, he had received the oil and mineral rights. Yet, he had been living on relief. He had been living starving, not being able to pay his mortgage, not being able to feed his family proper, properly. He was, without knowing, a multimillionaire living in poverty. The problem, he did not know oil was there even though he owned it. And can I tell you, it flows to this day. In fact, I read something just this week that there's been over 1,500,000,000 barrels of oil come out of that Permian Basin oil area that Mr. Yates owns. In fact, his first name was Ira. He had a wife named Ann. There's a little town out of Odessa named Ann, And it still brings people from everywhere because it still packs oil by the millions of gallons. May I speak my heart today? I do not like the word entitlement. I use it opposite gratitude. It's an anonym of gratitude, and I don't care for that word. But I'm going to use it rightly today on this Pentecost Sunday. The modern church, you hear me, the modern church is entitled to Holy Spirit power. It really is. And demonstration. The the modern church needs the gifts of the Spirit in operation, healings and miracles and faith and words of wisdom and knowledge and moves of God and deliverance. The modern church needs that. It's not just a first church blessing. It is our birthright. I'm celebrating a birthday today, not just for the early church, but the writer said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? See, the word day in the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 1 is not a 24-hour period. It means age. 
The word there, the Greek word is epoch, age, when the age of Pentecost was fully come. Pentecost is still the church's foundation. And what happened to 120 people in an upper room still is available today. David said it. David said it. In Psalms 139, verse 7, he said, I can never escape from your spirit. The Spirit of God is everywhere. The Holy Spirit's day is now, and He is operating around the world, and He wants to absolutely fill every life. He wants you to be filled with His presence. You know, somebody asked me one time why blasphemy of the Holy Spirit was an unpardonable situation, and I think the answer is very simple. The Father of creation created it all. The Son of redemption redeemed us from sin, and the Holy Spirit's day is now. And it's the last train out. It really is. It's the last train. And if you don't get on that train, if you don't catch on that train, there's, nothing, there's not another train coming. Jesus wants you to attach yourself to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit be your guide. In Acts 19, 30 years after the day of Pentecost, Paul, passing through the upper coast of Ephesus, found certain disciples of John the Baptist. And he asked them, he asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They were believers, devout followers of John the Baptist. And they made this statement, we have not so much heard <clears throat> whether there be any Holy Ghost. And then he asked them, how were you baptized? They said, under John's baptism. He said, John truly baptized unto repentance. But he baptized them over again. And when they came out of the water, he laid hands on them and they received something they thought was not even in the world. Paul reestablished Holy Spirit principles. Can I tell you, that's my calling. And that's really the calling of every minister in Austin, Texas, to reestablish the gift, the power, the presence of the Holy Ghost. The president of a bank was talking to his old economic professor at an alumni reunion one day, and the professor said, Here's something that might interest you. It's this year's final exam. And the bank president scanned the exam. Then he said, I could swear, Prof, I could swear. Those are the same questions you asked my class 20 years ago. They are, said the professor. I know the students pass the exams down from year to year, the professor said. And the bank president said, then doesn't everyone get an A on the exam not at all, said the professor. In economics, the questions stay the same year after year, but we keep changing the answers. And you know what? I don't know where we got off this Holy Spirit train. I don't know when the Holy Spirit became a basement dweller. And we honor the Father of creation, the Son of redemption, but the Holy Spirit's become a basement dweller. I will tell you the Holy Spirit is not going to stay in the basement at Christian Life Austin. We're going to bring Him up to the main floor because His work is the greatest work that needs to be done in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit to fill our country and fill this world with almighty power. There's a beautiful story in the book of Acts chapter 10. There's a man named Cornelius there who prayed he prayed wonderfully. He was a devout man, the Bible said. He feared God. He gave much alms to the people, and he prayed to God always. 
And an angel came to him to say, send for Peter. Pretty heavy stuff with angels and all. And, and when you read the story for yourself, Peter comes from the top of a roof at Simon the Tanner's house. An angel appeared to him or the Lord dropped a sheet with all kinds of animals on it that were unclean. And he said, slay these and eat, Peter. And Peter said, I'm not going to slay what's common or unclean. And after the third time, the Lord said, Peter, slay and eat. And Peter had the same answer. And he said, Peter, what I have cleansed, don't you call common. And what God was doing was getting him prepared for a Gentile people to receive what the Jewish people had received. Because God had this thing. This thing was not quarantined to just Jewish people. The Holy Spirit's for whosoever will. And so Peter comes and preaches Jesus to the Cornelius household. And in verse 44 through verse 46 of Acts 10, the Spirit falls on the whole house. Let me remind you, there were not 17 nationalities there that day. Just a bunch of Jewish guys that went with Peter to the house and saw and witnessed it was not for a witness to the lost that day. It was an infilling of power for a hungry believer in his house. Hallelujah. Peter goes back to the council of the Jews in Jerusalem and tells them about what happened at the Gentile house and concludes with this in Acts 11, verse 15 and 16. He says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, as on us at the beginning. We heard rushing wind. We had tongues of fire. We had 17 nationalities asking us what does all this mean. But in that house, in that house, the Holy Spirit fell on them like it fell on us at the beginning. He said, Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John and be indeed baptized with water. Ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I tell you? You could have a house experience today of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit could come into your house. The Holy Spirit can baptize you right where you are. The Holy Spirit can fill you to overflowing right where you are. You know, there was an ad placed in the lost and found section of classifieds one day. I saw it. It said, Lost Dog, Heinz 57 Mutt, has only one eye, limps due to an accident with a car, Hard of hearing, patches of fur missing due to the mange. <laughs> answers to Lucky. The dog answers to Lucky. And some folks probably reading that ad wondering, why is a dog like that called Lucky? It's very simple. That poor mud is Lucky because someone cares enough to look for him. Despite all the misfortune someone loves that little dog just the way it is. Can I tell you something? Can I speak to you right now? There is a God that one day sent his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ left and said, I'm going to send you a comforter. And that comforter is the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will lead and guide you into all truth. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what your misfortune has been. It doesn't matter how bad life has been in, in your world or how tough you are facing this world today through this pandemic and through this coronavirus. I'm here to declare the Holy Spirit is looking for you. You may think, Pastor, I'm not worth it. Yes, you are. You're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth it all. I love the story of the demoniac man. I love it. Mark chapter 5. I'm coming to a close. The Bible said when he saw Jesus at a distance, 
in the NIV, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. That's what the NIV says. But the King James says, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. The NIV said he ran and knelt on his knees. The King James said he went and worshipped. Then I realized the translators of the New International Version hadn't believed this man was capable of receiving anything from God. They didn't think he had what it took for God to come. He wasn't good enough. He wasn't great enough. He wasn't awesome enough. He didn't have a lot to bring to the table. But his name, even though it was legion, the Lord kind of said to him, this is your lucky day, legion. He came and worshiped him. You hear me. The word there in both the NIV and both the KJV is proscunio, P-R-O-S-Q-U-K-U-N-E-O, proscunio, which means practically everywhere else in every version, including the NIV, it means he worshiped him. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this without a shadow of a doubt. There's no sin that you can commit that the Holy Spirit can't fix you. There's no deed that you've done that the Holy Spirit can't correct. There's nothing in your life that runs parallel to everything that God has for you. God is in the saving business. He's in the filling business. And what you need in your life today on this birthday of the church is what happened in an upper room and what happened in Acts 10 at Cornelius' house and what happened in Acts 19 to John's disciples. You need that. And what happened in Acts 8 to the Samaritans. You need that in your life. You need a baptism. You need a touch and a blessing and a filling of the Holy Spirit. There's not a power on earth. I don't care what your past is and what your sin questions are. There's not a power on earth that can stop you from worshiping God. Hallelujah. I was preaching years ago in New Orleans, Louisiana. I close with this. And a young lady came up to me and she said, I'm a drug addict, Pastor. And I said, okay, okay. She said, does God, does God fix that? I said, yeah, God fixes that. And I'll never forget what happened when I told her that drug addiction, drug addiction, she was, she was a drug addict. She looked like she was about to die. No, she wasn't homeless. She still was working, but she looked like she was about to die in her eyes. And I'll never forget her raising her hands and saying, God, if you can hear me. And I stopped her and I said, he hears you. She said, please answer my prayer. I said, he will. And in that moment, God saved her. Right then and there, the Holy Spirit came down on her and saved her. I saw her. About five months later, I was preaching in another place and she came to hear me minister and she came up to me and I like to not recognize her. In five months, she looked like a woman that I never knew, a person that I never met. And I said, I think I know you. She said, Pastor, I'm, I'm the lady that was obsessed and possessed with drug addiction only five months ago. Jesus turned me around. Hear me. This is the day of Pentecost. And Pentecost turns people's lives around.
because it was the day the Holy Spirit was delivered on this earth and we're still reaping benefits. If Mr. Ira Yates Oil Wells in Odessa, Texas still are springing up and gushering today and producing 125,000 barrels a day in one well, can I tell you the Spirit of God is still powerfully moving and affecting and touching people everywhere. All you need to do is just surrender to Him and say, Lord, I didn't know this stuff was still here, but I want the Holy Spirit in my life. May God richly bless you. May He bless you. I read something beautiful about Tom Monahan. Tom Monahan is over Domino's Pizza. He's the owner, chief executive officer of Domino's Pizza, the second largest pizza distributorship in all the world, only second to Pizza Hut. And something happened to him just recently. All of a sudden, he found this Savior that we're talking about. And now, he's not worried so much about how many pizzas he makes. He's worried about how many churches he can help build. He said, I realized that when I get to heaven, Peter's not going to worry if I made pizzas or not, or if I brought him a pizza to heaven. He said, he's going to ask me, what have you done for the Lord Jesus Christ? People are being turned around in this last hour by the baptism, the infilling, the precious, overwhelming presence of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, I love you today. I think this is a great day. And if you're where you are and you're feeling the presence of God, lift your hands right now and let His presence come. Dear Father, touch people's lives right now where they are and let them feel you. Let them experience you and let them know you as a personal, personal Savior. Holy Spirit, do your work. You don't have to blow in. You don't have to come as a rushing wind. Just come where you are. Just come as the comforter. Come as the guide. Come as the peacemaker in their life. Let them understand this is uncommon experiencing God. I promise you, it's for real. It's for real. We're bringing him out of the basement because he doesn't belong there. It's his hour. It's his workspace. And when he comes, he'll lead and guide you into all truth. I could talk all day about the Holy Spirit. I love you. You're awesome. Next week, we're over here. We're going to come praising, magnifying, glorifying the Lord together. May you be blessed. God bless you.